My approach to life is very different than the approach taken by the average person in this way. I decide what I believe first. And then, after I've decided what I believe, I learn the facts. Say, man, that's crazy. Here's why it's not crazy. I don't just randomly go through life saying, I think I want to believe that. And, uh, oh, that looks good. I think I'll believe that. No, that's not what I mean. Everything I believe, and this has been this way all of my adult life, to the best of my ability, by the grace of God, and even for much of my childhood, once I started to understand what was going on in the world, here's why it's not crazy. Because I've decided to believe that what God says is true. I decided to believe, and I'll get specifically to this in a minute, that the words in my Bible came from God. And I decided that if the Bible says it and God provided me with this body of truth, I decided that if I can understand what the Bible means in its proper context, then that's what I believe. We read a minute ago Hebrews 11.3, through faith we understand. You know what that's saying? It's saying you believe first and then you learn the facts. Because faith is taking God at his word. Now, I realize that most of the world practices the exact opposite. I want to understand first, and then my understanding will decide what I believe. But that, first of all, that is not a genuine approach. Because most people believe it or not, or I should say acknowledge it or not, most people also practice believe first and learn the facts, even if they deny it. There's no such thing as an unbiased scientist. There's no such thing as an unbiased historian. You can meet a person with all kinds of degrees after their name, and they may be highly educated, but that doesn't mean they know the truth. So I'm being honest with you. I'm telling you up front, hey, I decide what I believe first, and then I get the facts. And scientists do that, and historians do that, but they won't tell you they're doing that. They will tell you, I get the facts, and then I decide what I'm going to believe. But they're all the while interpreting their facts through the eyes of what they've already decided to believe. But God said, Hebrews 11:3, through faith. We understand. What does that mean? It means believe first, then get the facts. We have three great spiritual enemies. Never forget this. Three great spiritual enemies the Bible tells us about. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, I wouldn't state them in that order. I said them in that order because that's the order we commonly say them in, and it sort of flows when you say them in that order. I would put them in this order as far as their roots the devil or Satan, the flesh, 
and the world. Why in that order? Because it began with Satan infecting our flesh and then our collective flesh equals the world. But that really doesn't matter what order we put them in. The world, I'm sorry, let's start with Satan. Satan would say, understand first, then believe. Go back to the Garden of Eden. God had asked the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, to believe. And here's what he asked them to believe. Trust me that you are not to eat of the fruit of that tree. The tree of the what? Knowledge of good and evil. God asked Adam and Eve to trust him that they should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Satan came along, the first thing he did was to attack what God had said. Satan is always attacking God's word. You should be conscious of that, by the way, when you, get, uh, when you hear someone say, you go to that church today, only you, King James. What's the big deal about what version of power you? What's the big deal? And... Uh, You should be aware that Satan, his very first attack was against the words of God. And first he, first thing he did, by the way, was question God's word. Did God really say that? That's what he's going to do in your heart. Did God really really say that? Uh, Those, uh, you know, that's just a translation. Did God really say that? And then he flat out contradicted God's word. He said, God, what did he say? Ye shall not surely die. And here's what he said. God had asked Adam and Eve to take him at his word. You can eat of every tree of the garden except for that tree of knowledge of good and evil. God was asking Adam and Eve to believe him and not need the knowledge. Satan said, you shall not, God's lying to you. He shall not surely die. He would say, God knows that if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will be as gods. So Satan's temptation was to be your own God. Ye shall be at your, as gods knowing good and evil. Here's what Satan dangled in front of Eve's mind. If you eat of that tree, you're going to know stuff. So God had said, I want you to put believing me ahead of understanding. Satan said, no. You need the knowledge, and the knowledge will tell you what to believe. Now, even, I have no doubt that even what I'm saying right now is going against the grain of some good people in this room. You're saying, oh no, pastor. No, no, we need to learn everything we can. Look, I believe strongly in education and I bet I read more than just about everybody in this room. I believe strongly in educating yourself, but I believe first. And I let believing guide my understanding through faith we understand 
Our great enemy, Satan, says, understand first and believe. Therefore, our flesh says the same. And that's why it may run against the grain of, of your mind right now because something inside of you is screaming and saying, no, no, I want to get educated and then I'll decide what I believe. Your flesh runs contrary to what God says. God says, through faith we understand. Your flesh says, no, I want the knowledge and then I'll make up my mind. And then the world. I said three great enemies. Satan, your flesh, the world. What's the world? Well, the world is the combined philosophy that comes from all of our flesh, the collective flesh of the citizens of the world. So if you have a world full of people whose flesh is screaming, no, get all the knowledge first and then decide what to believe. If individuals are saying that, then that's going to be the collective philosophy of the world that's going to tell you, no, you can't. That's one book. You're going to trust one book over all the knowledge of the world? That's crazy. So your three great spiritual enemies, Satan, your flesh, and the world, are all screaming at you to do a bunch of research first and a bunch of studying first and then make up your mind about what you believe. But the Bible says... Through faith, we understand. Now, let me define again in case I didn't clearly enough before. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. It is saying, I believe it because God says it. And you have to decide whether you're going to believe what God says and this is not a new conflict, by the way. This, is the, this began in the Garden of Eden for 6,000 years, the human race. He said, 6,000 years, the human race, a lot older than that. If you understand before you believe, you say that. But if you believe first, God says it's about 6,000 years old, the human race. Because God said so. You can do the, t- the timelines right in the Bible. And you do it yourself, and it comes out to about 6,000 years, the human race has been around. I wonder if Pastor knows how unscholarly and unscientific that sounds. No, I know how unscriptural anything else sounds because I take God at his word. I believe it because God says it. But the conflict goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So as long as there's been a mankind, there's been an attack on this idea of believe first, then understand. And the philosophy has been, no, no, no. Understand first, then believe. Here's what I want you to get. And this might be worth writing down for you, not because it's a big eloquent statement from pastor, but because this is a truth that, that, listen, I have lived on this earth for 50 years. And I can tell you, I've basically based my life on this, among others, on this philosophy. And you will find this to be true if you pursue it. If you take God at his word, you will discover as you proceed from there that the facts will always be on your side. If you take God at his word, you will discover as you proceed from there that the facts will always be on your side. And I want to quickly, before we say goodbye, give you a few examples of that. Number one, when I was a boy, I decided to believe that there is a God. Why? Because the Bible says there is. I didn't wait till I fully 
understood the concept. I do not remember any time in my life where I had any serious doubt about the existence of God. I decided, of course, I was taught, you say, well, you were, you were, you were brainwashed. I was taught things, if you want to call that brainwashed. We're all taught things. I was, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up in church. Yes, I was taught some things, but there came a time where I had to believe. And I don't remember a day where I just said, by cracky, I'm just going to believe there's a God. I just, God, I don't remember ever saying by cracky either. But, <laughs> but I don't ever remember a time where I had any serious doubt about the existence of God because I, I did decide as I got older, no, got to be a God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God. And I said, I, that, that is fool. It's foolish to think that this is all a coincidence. It's foolish to think that this is all an accident, which leads to number two. The second thing that I decide to believe just because God says it is that God created everything. Why did you believe that? Because the Bible says so. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now listen, I want you to understand something. How many of you know who Stephen Hawking is? Raise your hand. Okay. Stephen Hawking is, uh, is an evolutionist. He's, uh, I think he would call himself an atheist, if not an agnostic, but I'm pretty sure he'd say atheist. I don't think, it, I don't think there's anything such thing as an atheist. In fact, on the basis of God's word, I know there's no such thing as an atheist. Because God has put within every man the knowledge that he is there. Romans 1 makes that very clear. So I know that there's no such thing as an atheist. But there are men who have allowed their hearts to be darkened by error. Why? Because they wanted to understand in order to believe instead of believing and then understanding. And Stephen Hawking is, is, is uh, such, a, such a man. Hawking. I think there's no S in the end, I think. He's a very ill man, has been for many years, and I, I pity him for that. And, I, and by the way, I pray that he gets saved. Uh, do you have a list, by the way, of... Uh, you know, I was convicted about this when Bruce Fry was with us a few years ago. And every time he would talk about a celebrity, he would say, you know, he's on my prayer list. I pray that he'll get saved. And I started praying for, uh, for, for, for people that, uh, that I either admired or, or liked their work, if they were in, in any form of art or performance or athlete. I'd start to say, you know, if I admire them, then I owe it to them to pray for them to be saved. And uh, I, don't, I don't admire Stephen Hawking, but I do pray that he'd be saved. And I have pity on him for, for he's, a, he's a diseased man. He's, he's, a, he's a physically ill man. But he's brilliant. Brilliant doesn't make you right. Here's my point. I could not sit down with Stephen Hawking and have any chance of talking intelligently about science. I said, let's let's talk about the universe. And he would start to talk about, you know, light years and all kinds of galaxies and, and all kinds of words that I don't even know, I'm sure, I wouldn't have a chance. Say, would that, would that affect your faith? No, because I believe first, and I'll, then understanding comes. I take God at his word, then he gives me understanding. So it doesn't matter that if I sit with a scholar and he blows me away with all of his knowledge, I'm not going to change my faith. 
because I believe what God says because God said it, and I'll understand as I go. And by the way, I've read enough books of science to know that it is true that if you take God at his word, you find the facts are on your side. Another area that I've decided, this is a big one, because this puts me at odds with Christian people, but that's okay. When I was a young man, I decided to believe that the Bible is God's word. I decided, by the way, before I ever went to college, while I was in Christian school, I decided every word in the Bible comes from God. Why? Because God said so. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Not just talking about the collective, it's talking about the individual words shall not pass away. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I live, Jesus said, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That tells me that every word matters. So if I walk into a store and there's 20 different versions of the, on the shelf and they don't, they don't match each other, can they all have every word of God in them? Impossible. I decided that before I went to, high school, or before I went to college. It's not something I learned in college. I mean, I learned more about it, but, but I made up my mind while I was still in high school. And I'll tell you in a second how that happened. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Psalm 12.6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of fire, a furnace of earth purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. If God promised that I would have his word, then he was promising to preserve his words for us as long as there is people. I read this statement when I was a teenager. I read it in Christian school. Well, God gave the thoughts to man and man put it down in his own words. Well, that threw me for a curve. I was about 16 when I read that. God gave man the thoughts. God gave Paul the thoughts. God gave David and Moses the thoughts. Man put it down in his own words. That messed with my faith because I thought, wait a second, I had been through a struggle of many years to get the assurance of my salvation. What if the words, I was counting on God's promise, he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. I was counting on God's promise If ye hear my words and believe on him that sent me, uh, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life, is passed from death unto life, shall not come into condemnation. And I thought, which of those? And I'm serious. This wasn't, you know, I wasn't 16 years old challenging some writer. I I got fearful. I'm trusting God's promises. Which of those words are God's words and which of those are man's words? If God gave the thoughts and man put it into his own words. And I took that to prayer and I went to the Lord and I said, and as I read and read the word of God, I, came, I saw these phrases like every word. My words shall not pass away. And I said, no, nah, whoever wrote that was a knucklehead. 
not, not the scripture I just quoted, whoever wrote that statement, God gave the thoughts, man put it down in his own words, is a knucklehead. Because Jesus promised that his words would not pass away. And if his words do not pass away, they must be available to me. And then we come to this idea of translation. So I decide, you know, because it's been copied by hand so many times and because it's been translated so many times that this is not the authentic word of God. But wait a second, God promised to preserve it. So I decided as a matter of faith to believe that God has preserved his word for me. And that the Bible that I had been saved with and the Bible that I had been called to preach with and the Bible that I had gotten to know God with, God preserved it for me. And i got to tell you, the big version explosion hadn't even really happened. We're talking about the early 80s where it's still a very strange thing to hear somebody pick up and read out of a, any other version. There weren't very many out there. And, and I tell you, I was pretty well connected to Christianity around here. If anybody started to read words that, went, that were different from the ones that, I had, that we had all memorized, everybody's antenna went up. I remember growing up in Patterson Baptist Church and a guest speaker, a pastor from the area came in. He said, now you have to excuse me. I, I'm reading from, and he named the version he was reading from, and everybody in the congregation just looked at each other like, is this Okay. It was weird, it was new, it was strange, and I'm deciding as a teenager, you know what? This is the book that I was saved with. This is the book that I was called to preach with. This is the book that I've memorized dozens and dozens, and at that time, maybe even hundreds of verses. This is the one that God gave me. This is the one I'm sticking with. I chose it as a matter of faith. A matter of faith. Not because I'd studied a bunch of manuscripts, not because I had, uh, you know, met with a bunch of scholars. And can I tell you, and most, most of you know this story, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. I sat with a man just a couple of weeks ago, a few, several, maybe a month now, no, for a couple hours. And he has a doctor's degree in manuscripts. And he does not believe this is the only one. He does not believe it's a bad one. He just doesn't think it's an old one. And I made this statement. I said, if you're going to talk manuscripts and you have a doctor's degree in it, I'm just going to have to sit and listen. Because you're going to know some stuff I don't know. But it doesn't change the fact that as a matter of faith, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old boy, I decided this has got every word from God. I don't need any other. He said some stuff I'd never heard. By the way, I, I checked it out, the stuff that, that he said that I never heard. You know what I found out? Just what I suspected. It's an agenda-driven set of things, set of statements, and I don't have time to go into all those details. But what I'm telling you right now is the more I read, the more, hey, I am never going to be a manuscript scholar. That is not my calling but I read manuscripts. I'm reading a book right now. There are three men in the world who know the history of the King James Bible as experts. Two of them aren't even saved. One of them is saved, and I'm reading his book right now, and the things I'm reading are just like, oh, that's unbelievable. The details, the facts are just make your, make your hair hurt. It's, oh, it's intense, man. It's unbelievable. You know what I'm finding? I'm finding that when I took God at his word that he would make sure I had every word, I'm discovering as I proceed from there that the facts are on my side. 
I said I decided as a matter of faith that there is a God, and I have found ever since that the facts are on my side. I decided as a boy, as a matter of faith, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, that God created everything. I decided, I made it as a matter of faith, not because I was a scholar, not because I had this great dream of education with all these degrees. No, I decided as a matter of faith because God said so, and through faith has come understanding. I'll never be a creation scholar, but the more I study about creation, the more I find the facts are on my side. I decided as a boy that every word of my Bible comes from God. And God made sure that I have an every word Bible. I don't have to mess. I know it's popular, but I don't have to mess. And can I say this? One thing I learned this week that I did not know, that the Baptists, even before there was a King James, the Baptists had it right throughout the world, had it right in their statements of faith. We believe there's one Bible. It wasn't even the King James yet. But whatever the one that God had put in their hands, they said, this is, every word comes from God. We're sticking with this Bible. The Baptist church has never been a church of, of a bunch of different versions. I've just decided also that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. I had a wonderful privilege yesterday to uh, sit behind, beside a, a man, I'm guessing in his late 80s, may even be into his 90s. I don't think he is. But uh, he, he's, he's, he's dying. Had the privilege last year to share the gospel with him in, in a hospital room. And he professed faith in Jesus Christ. Now he's at home and, and, and he is, his days are numbered, very limited. And uh, I went and just read some scripture. I sat down with him. By the way, just absolutely stunning view right there in his, in his living room. You could see, they say for 17 miles, you could see, and I believe it. It's a stunning view. And I said, can I read you some scriptures to just remind you of what we talked about last year? And he, very weak voice, he said, yes. He said, um, I, you can. He said, but before you do, could I tell you a story? I said, sure, go ahead. He said, my son came from out of town to visit me and he said yesterday we said our goodbyes and not just goodbye he's going home but goodbye this is this is forever he said his goodbyes and he said my grandson took him to the airport he said last night I fell and he said I'm laying on the floor I said God help me said it wasn't long before my son was picking me up off the floor and putting me in bed and I said that's a gift from God and a son who was sitting right there stepped in and said yeah dad didn't know it but he said I got to the airport and my flight had been canceled and I came back and found out that dad had fallen And the old man said, his voice was quivering. He said, that was a gift from God. I said, yes, it was. I said, let me remind you of another gift of God. And I just read for him John 3.16 and John 3.36 and John 5.24 and a bunch of verses. And and, And I kept saying, look, 
Last year you said that you were believing on Jesus for your salvation. And, and, and I said, when you see God, that's all you'll need. All you need is Jesus. I said, when the day comes, when it's time for you to leave this world, I said, you don't need anybody to come pray over you. You don't need anybody to come and give you some rite of passage. All you need is Jesus. And, you ha- and he kept saying, I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. All you need is Jesus Christ. You can study your whole life and research and you'll never come to that conclusion unless you're willing first to take God at his word. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. Last week I shared with the crowd here with with those of you that were here and, and many other visitors last week how to be forgiven by God. And even with my limited sight, I could see there was at least 15 people in this room after we went through it and after I prayed, said, yes, I prayed and I received Christ. It was a wonderful thing. Maybe you weren't here last week. Maybe you were here and you just, for some reason, you resisted. Could I beg you this morning? And I know this has not been a, a message about how to go to heaven, how to have your sins forgiven. But in just a moment, we're going to stand together and the piano is going to play and people are going to come down. They're going to just kneel and talk to God. Would you come if you don't know Jesus as your savior? Would you come and let me or if you're a lady, let some lady, godly spiritual lady show you from the Bible. How to know that you have Jesus, how to know that your sins are forgiven, how to know that you're going to heaven. Would you do that this morning? I beg you, don't leave here without Jesus Christ. Let's stand together this morning.